How's it going, Katanning? Uh, very excited to be back for another episode of the Katanning Podcast, episode number three. And I'm super right. excited today to uh, invite one of my very good friends to come be on the podcast. Uh, Joanne Arroyo has been a transformative person in my life. Very excited for all of you to get to know her um, because she's been such a, uh, a powerful person in my life. The ideas that you bring to the table, I think, have... Um, have a real opportunity to be a transformative thing for our city. So uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Excited to be here as well. Yeah. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. I'm yeah. a little nervous. A little nervous? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's okay. Nerves mean you care. Nerves mean you care. So um, I want to give you an opportunity. Uh, we'll get a little bit deeper into this, but I want to at least uh, get on the surface level. What are you doing? I know you're starting a business in town. What's that business and okay. what are, what are you talking about? All right. Well, it's called a state of becoming consulting, and what it does is it provides an alternative approach to therapy, um, particularly for people who perhaps have gotten to a point where they're coping, they're managing, um, but they're not feeling as though they're able to step into the life that they envision for themselves. Yeah. And so that's why it's called a state of becoming, because as we discover more and more what that is and what really resonates with us, then we can really um, be present in what we were created to be and do here. So it's like a therapy and counseling, but we're going beyond traditional therapy and yes. counseling to, uh, to becoming into some, something right, else. Right, okay. right. Even beyond healing, right? Yeah. Healing to become whole and then whatever that means and whatever possibilities that opens for us as we discover more and more of who we are, a state of becoming. Okay. Well, that's awesome. And we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit more. So if that doesn't make total sense right now, right. Uh, rest assured, we will dig into that a little bit deeper. May I, may I mention Absolutely. something that I was thinking of? Of course, because, of course. Um, someone had read the, um, the card that I have and said, a state of becoming? <laughs> I don't know what that means. And it meant nothing, right? And, yeah. and I get that. And I understand that, which is what you're speaking to right uh -huh. now. Um, but as we spoke further, we were talking about how much both of us have changed. And he said to me, when you go through the struggles of learning how to manage yourself, when you go through the struggles of doing the hard parts of life, when you keep putting one foot in front of the other, you become something. Yeah. And I said, a state of becoming. <laughs> and he said, oh, okay, now it makes sense. So in the hindsight, it makes sense, but I wanted to put that out there in the forefront to help people to understand where we're going and what we're doing in terms of their own growth and excitement. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I do want to get a little bit deeper into it then before okay. we go back to where you've come from. <laughs> okay. Because I just want to talk about, um, you know, there's this kind of idea within medicine that we're just treating symptoms or we're just treating one part of the person. Mm -hmm. And you have a very different approach to that. I so, do. So what does that look like for with the... the yeah, body, mind, emotion, okay. the different things that we've talked about before. Okay, and what that looks like is that, as you just said, we're treating symptoms, okay? Diagnoses are based on a, a cluster of symptoms, but the symptoms are only the indicators of the underlying causes of what is wrong, Yeah. right? So if we're only treating symptoms, we're trying to make these things symptoms feel better without understanding or knowing where the disconnect, if you will, between body, mind, and emotion continues to happen and fall out of alignment. Mm -hmm. So what I am doing is helping people to understand how the body 
is affected, how the mind is affected, how the emotion is affected, and then braiding all of those together so that there is an alignment that allows the person to fully be energized and available to themselves and others. Yeah. And I think in our nation, and, and especially, I mean, our area, mm-hmm. there's this mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the mental or the uh, um, the medical community is kind of just playing whack-a-mole with symptoms. Right. And just like you hit something here and then two other things pop up and you're just con- constantly in this state of, of, of panic of like trying to figure out the next thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're not getting to the deeper issues or the underlying issues that are actually causing it right. all. And right. so uh, that's what I love about you is yes. that you really have a heart to, to dig deeper and actually yeah bring health and healing to somebody. And, and it does encompass all of those things. And, and to be fair, the medical community has done its very best to understand and know what it is that's happening, but they can only go by symptom alone. Right. And it's very, very recently that we have discovered through neuroimaging what is happening in the brain region dependent upon what's going on in the body. And then even more squirrely, if you will, is the emotion because that's energy and motion. Right. And so that is very, very difficult because there's nothing to really point at or um, definitively say this is the thought or this is what's symptom in the body and where it hurts. It's energy and motion. So right. it's a lot more of a, um, a abstract that needs to be understood. Right, right. And so I think that's what a lot of the times the medical community struggles with is they, they can only deal with what's tangible and what's here and what's Correct. now. And, and and, but, but the problems are deeper. Than right, that. and what manifests as the symptom. Right, right. Okay, and then we're only treating the symptom. Yeah. So that's a very surface level. We could probably cover <laughs> 10 podcasts with our just back and forth on that yes. topic. And we'll get yeah. into that a little bit more. But mm-hmm. um, I kind of want to talk to you about where you've come from, how we got to this point, you know, all those kinds of things. Okay. So uh, if we can go back and just explore a little bit uh, the nuts and bolts of who you are sure. and what you're up to, is that okay? <laughs> scary, scary topic. Well, no, it, it's fine, but what really kind of jumps out is the nuts, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the nuts and bolts. Um, yeah. Because I have indeed spent a, a lot of my life feeling, um, let's bat crap crazy, yeah. uh-huh. right? Um, and in the sense that it... it Um, I've had very, very beautiful, wonderful experiences, and I've also had very um, dark, um, tragic experiences and things to reconcile. And in learning and knowing what those things were, I never had a way to make sense out of what had gone down and specifically what had broken me, if you will. Sure. And so I know one of the things that you wanted to ask me on here was rock bottom. And when I initially saw it, I was like, which one? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Because that's where that that up and down, round and round functioning starts occurring. Because we hit a place where we say, okay, this is unacceptable. I can no longer do this. Yeah. And so then we um, white knuckle our way back up and we go and seek you know, help. And again, they can only they can only treat what is in their face. They can't treat the root of where it's come from without the person's understanding of where and how and why and what has happened. Sure. All right. So. So, so it's let, been a which one. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go back and, and just dig in a little bit and um, see if we can make sense of all that, because uh, I really 
what you're doing is so powerful, and I know that it's because of where you come from, what Correct. God has done in your life, all Correct. those kinds of things. So help Correct. me b- go back to your childhood. Tell me about okay. like where you grew up. What was childhood okay. like for you? Give me a give me just a picture of who Joanne is as all a right. little girl. Okay. Well, well <laughs> all right. Um, I'm a native of New Yorker. All uh-huh. right, and so. Um, my arena was the big city, if you will. Yeah. But two very um, juxtaposed places within the big city. Um, I lived in Harlem. My father is a um, first. No, I'm first generation. He's yeah. a, he was an immigrant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he was an immigrant, um, and my mom is a person who was at Columbia University at the time that we lived in Harlem. And Morningside Heights in Manhattan is adjacent to Harlem. So we were really poor, so we lived in Harlem, but my mom was at an Ivy League college. Right. So the two worlds um, felt almost like a parallel universe at times. And I used to think that they canceled each other out. Now I understand and know where those strengths are and how to braid them together. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the longest time, it felt as though those two worlds canceled each other out. And so when a lot of the um, tragedies, if you will, that happened within my family and were outgrowth of my parents' pain, my parents are both beautiful, wonderful people, and I thank God that I had both of them, but it's taken a long time to understand and know what that means. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know how deeply you want to go into kind of that tragedy, that the childhood pain. But as you grew up, you know, what did all that look like? Because I know you did have kind of that rock, several rock bottom moments uh, <laughs> right. like we talked about. But, you know, what what can you tell us a couple stories of, you know, yeah. how that who the, how that yeah. happened and what yeah. happened? Well, well, let's let's go back then to the, the Harlem component, if yeah. you will, mm-hmm. that um, people who are locked out of the benefits of society, if you will, of being able to have um, what most of us think of things that should be readily available to us. We see a lot of domestic violence, we see a lot of drug abuse, we see a lot of just street violence, we see a lot of pain frantically being attempted to fill with other things. Yeah. Okay, and so um, a lot of that happened in the street, a lot of that happened in my household, a lot of that happened in a way that set me up to believe and think that that's how I was to live. Yeah. So explain to me, because I just wanted to be clear, like the when we try to fill fill the gaps in our life with other things, like what was that for you? Or what was that what was that for the people of Harlem? Right. Well, I mean, again, lots of good stuff, right? Lots of lots of rhythm and music and you know, and things that bring joy. Sure. Okay. So that that all was there and a lot of creativity and a lot of um in fact, one of the first um projects that ever made me say, Hey, there's a bigger world out there is that um we built an empty lot across the street. Um, the community came together to build a program, a playground, and then we had a place to play. Uh-huh. And that was incredible because otherwise we were just in the street. Sure. So that was one of the beneficial things, right? Um, but then the other things were like I had to uh, step over junkies to get to the stairs to go up to the apartment. And then my mother and I were robbed at knife point in the elevator by a junkie who needed his fix. Um, and then when we got upstairs, my dad, he was so angry, but he, he went after the guy and, and had he caught the guy, I was more fearful of what he'd done had he caught the guy because I had seen how his own 
outgrowth of not being able to do anything with his frustration and his angst would come to pass very violently. Right, right. Um, so it was that kind of thing that, and again, that's not to say there weren't beautiful, wonderful moments because there were. And that's what made things so confusing. Right. right? <laughs> it was like, what is going on? So probably the biggest thing then that in my adult life had me saying um, what is going on is my older sister, um, she committed suicide. When she committed suicide, she also murdered her husband. Wow. And when she did that, um, she left her four young children um, without parents. And I had just had my oldest daughter, um, who was three months old at that time. Mm -hmm. So that really made me say, whew. Yeah. You know, what What now? Absolutely. What now? So how old were you? Like, what kind I, of, what stage of life were yeah, you in at that point? Yeah, I was young. I was 20. Okay. And the hospital gave me champagne. I wasn't 21 yet. Oh, so, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I, I kind of remember that, too, thinking, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but because I did have a real tendency to use substances, it was just something that was, um, like I said, I had to step over junkie. So thankfully, that's why I never fell to heroin. Yeah. I would have fallen. I did fall to other hard drugs. Sure. But never heroin because that was that was very much in my mind, being afraid of stepping over people that they were going to grab my ankle and then, well, ultimately they did put knives to us in the elevator. Right. Um, but that said to me, heroin bad. Yeah. But that meant I did the other drugs out there. Right. Right. Which I which I fear is going to happen when the opioid crisis. It is indeed a crisis, but. It's, again, just a symptom. You yep. take away the opi opioids, meth is already on the rise, right. right? We're going back to that. And then and then crack is, is getting, it's just it's all. It's the whack-a-mole thing right, again, again, right? Exactly. If precisely. you don't solve the underlying problem. Right. So if we don't know how to self-soothe at a much deeper level than it's talked about right now, mm -hmm. because it goes to the body, not just the emotion, then it's a whack-a-mole because we're out of alignment. So I'm assuming after the tragedy of your sister, at that point you're still in college. You're, um, or I was, <laughs> I got thrown out of high school. <laughs> I mean, like expelled, expelled. Like okay. don't come back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, I what? No, I wasn't in college. I was just bumbling around. Ultimately, you did end up in college, though. Uh, ultimately, I did. Ultimately, okay. I did. I got a GED so that I could do continuing education. Well, I didn't need a GED to do continuing education, but I did continuing education courses. Um, when I finally realized, like, hey, I've been shown an awful lot of things here that need to be a part of um, first education. My BS is in education of the exceptional. Uh -huh. Okay. And because in school I had such a horrific experience, not because I wasn't curious and not because I didn't want to learn, but because I could not manage my own this that had resulted from being in an environment where it was always like this. Right. Um, and so I was very um, ready to fight and very ready to um, be defiant yeah. and rebellious. And I have a little bit of that in me, too, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I can relate to you there. Um, so uh, these tragedies happen. You ultimately end up in school. Then, I mean, what happened to get from that point mm -hmm. to where we are now? Because there's this redemption story of, okay. of now you coming out of it okay. and, and God starting to reveal other things right. to you. So what does that look like? Um, well, um, <laughs> long story short, Yeah, right? long story short. You take as much it, time it, as you need. <laughs> Seriously. It, it, it is a little tough to nutshell, right? Because um, 1986 the initial huge tragedy, the, the thing that I could point to, mm -hmm. all right, um, and my own daughter. And so the things that I knew I didn't get 
that I needed growing up in terms of emotional support that I now know neither of my parents had either, which is why they couldn't provide it. Right. Um, I was able to kind of white knuckle through and just say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. I was exhausted all of the time. I was overwhelmed all the time. But I had my why, if you will. I had my um, understanding of what my baby needed. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, so that's what I did my, excuse the term, but my damnedest to do. Yeah. So that's what I did. Um, and... All through that, though, I self-medicated, uh-huh. right? I, I did whatever I needed to do. And again, I think going back to those parallel universes of Columbia University and Streets of Harlem, that's how I functioned. Yeah. Okay? So you're like high-level education <laughs> uh-huh. and at the same time, like doing whatever it takes to survive on a daily basis. Right, yeah. right. Uh-huh. Correct. Okay. And so um, so I did that. Um, 2007 is the same year. I, I moved from education to therapy, again, because I knew that the different people who, well-intentioned, really tried to help me, had no idea what I was talking about (laughs) and couldn't help get to the root. Um, So I moved from education when I realized that the things that were getting in the way of the students that I was teaching, I was in inner city Philly at that time, that the administration didn't care about. And not that they didn't care about, but it wasn't their job to be addressing that. Theirs was indeed education. So it was me who had to go. It wasn't something wrong with them, something wrong with how my role was being played out. So then I moved to to, um, my master's in therapy, all right? And so in 2007, I earned that degree, thought I finally had it all figured out, which is why I said, which time? Yeah. Okay? <laughs> um, when my oldest brother murdered his wife. Wow. And so, um, yeah. And again, it was just another outgrowth of symptoms, unfortunately, that weren't ever really understood or known how to help heal. Yeah. Um, so, and that's one of the things that I work with now very specifically, that if we're not moving into who we were created to be and answering ourselves, then what happens is we become more and more constricted. And that energy that is debilitating, that manifests in anxiety, bipolar, depression, all of those things mm-hmm. that um, have us being ill right. is indeed because we are on that constriction of energy has to go somewhere eventually. And the two extremes are suicide and murder yeah because it's got to go and there's a whole host of other things everything in between yeah absolutely but those are the two extremes wow so i never i know and all the conversations that we've had i don't know if i've ever kind of made this connection before but you said a couple things that really stuck out to me that your parents couldn't provide you with something they didn't have and that your counselors didn't understand you or how to help you Mm -hmm. and i think that's the cry of so many people Mm -hmm. like they they trying to verbalize how they feel, but no one gets it. Yes. And so when I, but when I talk to you, I feel like you get it because you've, number one, you've been there. Mm-hmm. And then number two, you have all of this medical background and all of this knowledge to kind of put practical pieces in place mm-hmm. to help me understand who I am myself. Mm-hmm. And then I'm watching you do that with other people. And it's amazing to see that transformation. So is that kind of what drives you? Is um, is that, that mentality of, hey, no one could help me and I want to be there to help other people? Um, yes, but only in the sense that I don't have their answers either. Sure. But I can help them discover them because they do. Right. The whole reason we have these things that are areas of struggle is because we're not hearing or listening or acting on our own conclusions about who we are and what we need to be doing in our lives. Yeah. And 
And those are the things that move us into our purposes. Right. That's what gives us me- meaning, gives being here meaning. Yeah. And so we've all had kind of this unique background experience, but um, so everyone needs a little bit, everyone takes a little bit different path in yeah. their state of becoming, so yes. to speak. Yes. Um, but there are these universal principles Correct. that can help every single person, Correct. no matter the situation. Correct. Yeah. And, right. And those are the, and those are the principles of God. So how, how those were shown to me, which is just so completely fascinating. 2007, I, so again, so I'm still in my crap. I'm still living that um, and I call it Orla Yo-Yo. Okay, <laughs> it's up and down, up and down, round and round. Um, and 2011, I say, um, no, I can't. I not cool. I'm not only am I already a therapist, mm-hmm. all right, um, but I'm also saying not enough. Yeah. Not what I've envisioned. Not what resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point, that's when I said. I've got to cut out all my go-tos, all the things that have me um, able to avoid myself. So you were you were in like a traditional therapy environment, and you were kind of recognizing, hey, this is not what God's called me to. This is not this is not working the way that I, I know that it can work. That, was that um, that kind of thing? Or no, actually, it wasn't. It wasn't. Didn't have to do with the therapy environment. Had to do with my own put up or shut up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. And that's fair. So I'm just trying to understand. So I'm just making yeah. sure. Had to do with my own put up or shut up. Like I recognized the places where I dropped my own ball. What I didn't know was what made me, what drove me to say, I need some kind of relief here. I yeah. need some kind of temporary relief. I knew when I needed it. And so I'd go get that temporary relief, which took on many, many forms and all the social ills that we see. So what was that? What was the moment that you can kind of pinpoint that you said, okay, God's leading me down this different direction. Mm -hmm. You know, what was the, what was the event? What was the revelation that happened that you said, okay, there's, there's something else here. At at that point, well, there were three deaths in 2011, very close people to me, three deaths um, outside of family tragedy. Yeah. Um, So those three deaths had a lot to do with it. Um, because one of those I acted in a way that just was so not me. Yeah. So um, I was actually watching Joyce Meyer, and if anybody, some people have like this horrific opinion of this woman, but um, <laughs> for me, it was, I wasn't even, I, when I say I was watching her, I wasn't watching her. I had been channel surfing, and it had, to, and it stopped there. Yeah. And what came through loud and clear was, God is showing you one thing to stop for one year. If you do that one thing for that one year, your life will become completely different. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it was that direct. Well, probably because God had been grabbing me by the... (laughs) Because all along the way, now, again, in retrospect, I see where he was with me all along the way. So what was the one Uh, thing? um, Well, at that point, it was beer. But in order to stop beer, I had to stop cigarettes because those two went together. Mm-hmm, and in mm-hmm. order to stop beer and cigarettes, I had to stop weed. Yeah. And in order to stop those, and there, and when I talk about the more hard stuff, that's the more hard stuff. Sure. Okay. Um, so it was like this cascading thing of yeah. like, God changes one thing and then all of a sudden it snowballed into right. and it meant change. Right. And it meant if you stop that, because I've, I've been drinking, not, I shouldn't say been because I stopped in 2011, but I had been drinking since I was eight years old. Oh, wow. I've been smoking cigarettes since I was 10. And I I'd been smoking weed since I was 12. Wow. So that, that gives you a crux of my functioning and my go-to and my makeup of how my lifestyle was. Sure. Okay. Okay. 
So then God begins to reveal to you this program that we're talking about today. Not for, yet. Not yet? Okay. <laughs> 20, well, get me there. Okay. Um, 2013, I go into um, traditional outpatient therapy, uh-huh. and I do a training, and I start understanding the trauma piece. I start understanding what the um, bodily response to trauma is, a part I never knew or heard or understood. In that training, the person, and the work is based on um, Bessel van der Kolk, who is very well known in, in the trauma community and has done tremendous work to, to help our understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also Viktor Frankl, who um, is an existentialist whose whole thing is giving meaning to life. Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, And so those two pieces were thrown in almost as an aside because I think the presenter um, had to be cautious of religion, if you will. Yeah. Um, But that's the thing. God is in all. Yeah. All right. And so (laughs) so he said a very small piece. He said, in God's great wisdom. So that was, again, part of me. Because in between stopping things and then getting to where I was, I still didn't know the power of God in my life. I still hadn't recognized that it was him who was transforming me and showing me step by step what I needed to do. Right. All right. Um, So, but what God did reveal is scientifically how the body is broken Mm -hmm. by trauma and not just what we would consider to be huge trauma where somebody says, oh, wow. Right, right. Okay. It's all of those little things Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's like the straw that broke the camel's back. If the camel's back isn't already (laughs) burdened, the straw is not going to break it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, So the body and then how that impacts which part of the mind is online and available to us how to re-encode that by relaxing the body, which then includes the emotional component. Okay. So I start learning about this scientifically, and again, just kind of in my face, because I still truly don't know how to do it, or yeah. how, no, I do know how to do it, I don't know how I know it, Right. but God. But God started just making these connections between all these different things, and then it just yep. layer upon layer upon layer right. upon layer. Right, okay. with scientific basis, yeah. I may add. Well, okay. and I think, that's, I think that's a lot of the disconnect for people, is a lot of people think, well, I'm either going to go the faith route mm-hmm. or I'm going to go the science route. And the fact is that that it's the same route. It's the same it's just route. <laughs> everything that was revealed in science is just something that God already knew and right. we've just found it. Right. And so that's yeah. the rest of the story. Yeah. As I get this understanding, he starts showing me specific scripture. And, and my scripture for this is uh, 2 Timothy one seven is that right? I'm still not very good. You go for it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it is. Um, we are not given the spirit of fear, but the power of love and self control. Yeah, and so that just speaks volumes in terms of explaining everything that has been shown to me and how we pull out the pieces of body, mind, emotion see what's going on with them, see where the struggles are, because that's where our information lies for the healing. Mm, then, so we, then we braid it back together and we have a trifecta of power based on love and self-control for change, transformative change that not only bears out scientifically if that's where a person's comfort zone is, but really is completely informed by the principles of God and how he tells us to live. Absolutely. His promise is 
this living. I'm yeah. so excited to live now. Yeah. Now this is making total sense to me, but if you're listening to this and it doesn't make total sense, please Come just can, see me. Yeah, well, no. that too. But please keep listening. We'll get into this a little bit deeper now because okay. I want to. I want to go. I want to speak to this kind of practically because there's okay. so many people. Um, I remember I had a small group at my house and it was kind of this revelation moment for me. We were sitting around a campfire. Okay. I think there was 11 of us there. Okay. And we went around and we got on this topic. We were I was doing a sermon series on depression, mm-hmm. defeating depression, you probably remember. Mm-hmm. And then we were sitting around the fire at my house and we started talking about depression and anxiety. And we went around person by person and out of the 11 people that were there, I was the only person that was not on medication for oh, depression or anxiety. Wow. It was 10 out of 11. I was the only one, and that was probably because in my time of depression and anxiety, I just ran around undiagnosed. And so I'm sure someone would have given me a pill (laughs) also. Uh, But um, it was this amazing thing to me. And so the scope of mental illness in our nation is incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's way beyond what anyone, I think, even realizes. Mm -hmm. And the kind of the veil is starting to be taken off, Mm -hmm. and we're starting to talk about it more and be open about it more, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want to go and just say... When someone is depressed, when someone is anxious, all of those things, um, we're told one thing by the world, but Mm -hmm. just in your opinion and all your study, what's the actual root cause of those things? Like, why does that happen in somebody? Okay. How do you get to that point? Physiologically speaking, Mm -hmm. um, if we start with body, okay, and the fight or flight response that is associated with stress Mm -hmm. is the thing that starts being kicked up, if you will, every time someone encounters um, a negativity or a sadness or a confusion that this world throws at them that they don't know what to do with, Mm -hmm. okay? So that fight or flight response is literally only supposed to be available and triggered when we are about to die. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why the scripture is so meaningful to me because it is the fear response. Yeah. All right. So, and we've not been given the spirit of fear, but the way this world has kicked us around when we experience the things that I was referencing, confusion, anger, loss, all of those things, then our systems have become ones that enact the fight or flight response far more often than it ever was supposed to be. Okay. When that happens, our neurochemistry shifts. We talk about chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. Yes, but it's not chemical imbalance that pills can fix because those are synthetic. Yeah. It's chemical imbalance that now our bodies have far more adrenaline and cortisol than they were ever supposed to have. Yeah. When That in and of itself is toxic, but it becomes even more toxic because when that is dominant, the parts of our neurochemistry that are supposed to be generated and readily available to us, the serotonin, the endorphins, all of those things that are the feel goods, if Mm -hmm. you will, have to take a back seat. The body can't produce both. So the adrenaline and cortisol are essentially drowning out the biochemistry that allows us to have a better mood. Okay. So let me just, I want to make sure that I'm understanding um, and so that everyone else is understanding. Mm -hmm. So I live in this kind of state of stress, this, Mm -hmm. this fear response. Mm -hmm. And that's not, that's not just 
that's not just like I'm watching a scary movie, I'm scared, no. or there's a monster under my bed, I'm no. scared. It's it can be anything that causes that fight or flight response. Correct. So the adrenaline kicks up more and more inside my body, mm-hmm. and then that suppresses all of the other things that are supposed to balance me out, so to speak. Correct. Okay. And that's and that's how it happens in the body. Uh-huh. Now let's see how that affects the mind. Yeah. Because when the adrenaline and the cortisol are up, and the flight or fight or flight response is happening, which by the way we've added freeze Mm -hmm. because in our modern day we can't really do what that adrenaline has has fueled us to do which is either run away from being killed or kill the threat right so (laughs) some of those things are starting socially responsible anymore (laughs) right right precisely so we just suppress it and freeze yes okay precisely go ahead but we do that too long it becomes suicide get away or murder kill yeah <laughs> okay yep. Yep. so so therein lies those extremes mm-hmm. um but having said that the part of the brain that is online when the body is in flight or fight response is the head of security if you will it's the one that is going to focus on everything outside of ourselves and try to literally combat incoming boom 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 and that's when we start feeling overwhelmed We've got all this incoming all this incoming yeah okay so that in and of itself is depressing yeah. <laughs> it makes us anxious what am i going to do it can create bipolar because sometimes we're like okay i can do this we get a grip right uh-huh. people say get a grip and so you get a grip and you say i can do this and you think you can and so you start feeling empowered and able and then something else happens yeah. and it throws you back down yeah right and so that neurochemistry is going burr, 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 burr. and go sorry that's, no go that's kind of my experience as well because i am i'm like a goer and mm-hmm. a doer and so i I love to be on that kind of edge of adrenaline, mm-hmm. and I'm not an adrenaline junkie in the sense that I like to race cars or jump out of planes. Right. That's not my adrenaline. My adrenaline is being productive and doing all those kinds of things. But when you live in that state for too long, and this is what happened to me, the okay. first year that we did Summer of Serve, ah. I was doing Summer of Serve. We had just had our second baby. I was still running a business, and I was not taking proper rest. I was living in that constant state of adrenaline mm-hmm. and then it's like any other drug, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can take it for right. too long and all of a sudden the adrenaline's not enough to keep you going anymore right. and then there's the crash. Right, and then there's the crash. And that's what happened to me. And when that crash happened, I I can just I can see what you're talking about because my brain didn't have the ability to create the dopamine serotonin to get me level again it was like it took my body like six months to reset Mm -hmm. so that I could even just get back to level and it was a really looking back at it it's almost like this out of body experience Mm -hmm. that's what depression was for me Mm -hmm. does that make sense yes completely completely because after a certain point um, the the mind says I'm out I yeah. can't, and it's it's the it's the dissociative component. It's horrible. Where you can't, yeah. <laughs> that the body, the the essence of us, if you will, our souls can no longer tolerate being in this place of discomfort that is completely so far removed from who we were created to be. Yeah. Okay. So then we talked body, mind, and then well, how does emotions come into play then? Well. Again, the squirrely thing, right? Yeah. Emotion, energy and motion, Latin root, emoter. Okay. Energy and motion. When we look at energy and motion, it is a stirring sense of some base emotions, sadness, fear, love, self-control. Those base emotions are things that when recognized 
that something looks like, feels like, smells like, it's that stirring, mm -hmm. okay? So it's that stirring of that energy. Like your body's natural reaction to something that happened outside. Mm -hmm. Okay, go ahead. Yes, All right. yes, exactly. Now, how we feel about it, emotions <clears throat> and feelings are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. How we feel about it is the thought that we connect to that stirring sense to give it meaning. Mm -hmm. So if our bodies are in a fight or flight state and the part of our mind is online that has to do with the threat and incoming and tr and that's the focus that's all we can see mm -hmm. then the thought attached to that stirring of emotion is going to be one of fear negativity get away okay <laughs> right? so just to put something practical to it so let's say some some traumatic moment happened in my life mm -hmm. my parents abused me or whatever mm -hmm. and then now that's created inside of me it's attached this thought Yes. to an emotion that's inside. Yes. And so then later in life, that threw me into a depression when I was young. Mm -hmm. Later in life, something similar starts to happen. That emotion happens, yeah. and then that changes my thought and can send me right back into the, yeah. the rut that I was in before. Very much okay. so, okay. exactly. I'm just trying to connect it all no, here for you. everyone please, listening. Please, okay. please, that, that helps so much because on a one-on-one, -on -one, I'm able to have a person's story and then help them to understand what it is that's happening right. through discovery of their own answers and it is a point of reference for them that they know. When I'm trying to explain it in an <laughs> abstract without that point of reference, yeah. then it's it's difficult for others to grasp what yeah. it is that I'm talking about. And you, have, I, you and I have had this conversation so many times, so I know exactly where you're at, yeah. but I want everyone else to have the a kind of a base level understanding of what we're talking about here. And that's why I'm really appreciative <laughs> of you taking it to the, okay, let's see how, let the nuts and bolts of how this goes together. Right, right. Yeah. So we have body, mind, and emotion. Mm -hmm. All of these things play together. Now, um, when I... I see that in so many people, and that's that's why medication is incomplete, right? Right. Because we're just covering that up, but we're not getting to that root of, of why why do I keep getting thrown back into the gutter again? Like, why does this keep cycling around over and over? Yes, yes, because the medication is a synthetic replacement for what our bodies should be naturally producing for ourselves, but they, it can't because we're sta in the state of fight or flight, yeah. and that adrenaline and cortisol are dominant when they were never supposed to be. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now take me a little bit now, just kind of your, I know you, you counsel people on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. um, you're actively in the fray mm -hmm. on trying to help people walk through these things. So what does it look like, like your process, how is it, how, how are you trying to combat that in order to kind of bring healing at a, at a base level in people's lives? Okay. Um, well, with the, the therapy, the, yeah. the helping them to understand the principles of what body, mind, and emotion mean in the general, uh -huh. and then how it specifically applies to them. Okay. And the very, very beginning um, is something that has to start with the body. Because if we don't start with the body, if we don't understand the physiological response, then we can't get to the part of our mind that is the executive functioning that's available to us only when we're calm. Yeah. So then we can't identify the thought that we're attaching to the emotion. And if we can't get to the thought that we're attaching to the emotion, we're going to stay feeling like crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's that look like for, like, say, I, I come in for the very first time, you know, give me the... What, what, what can I do in my body to help me yeah. get to the emotion? Like, <laughs> okay. what's that look like? Yeah, well, what that looks like is we know through neuroimaging that when our bodies are under that fight-or-flight response, two very specific things happen in our body. Um, the oxygen is diverted from the rest of our organs and muscles that, um, when we're at rest, is 
it's available okay? okay and that's another reason why we have all these aches and pains and tensions yeah we, we don't have the oxygen flow at a steady level that's supposed to be available uh-huh. so in the reaction i don't call it a stress response because response is a whole different ball game and as we move forward i hope to change the um, vocabulary of what reaction and response mean. Sure, sure. Okay? So having said that, it's a stress reaction. And the oxygen concentrates in the lungs where it's not supposed to be concentrated mm-hmm. for a power strike. Because let's not forget, the body is preparing itself to fight or, or run. flight. Right. One, one or, or the, the other. other. So, and that's very extreme, mm-hmm. right? So when that concentration happens, it's why panic attacks include chest pain. Mm-hmm. It's why we feel like we can't breathe. It's why we feel like we're um, we're not <laughs> yeah. right? because it's right here and it's not where it's supposed to be. Right. So the first thing we have to do is put that oxygen back to the center of our bodies, the diaphragm, mm-hmm. where it's really supposed to be uh, available and originating to the rest of our bodies. So it's really, I mean, we really do have to stop and just start breathing again. Yes, and that's why when we say breathe, that's and that's out there, right? Yeah. And that's incredible that it's out there, but we have to have the rest of the story. We have to know why, right? Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't yes. help to just say, oh, just breathe. Yeah, it's well, like, I mean, it's it like does. Telling, it's no. like telling someone that's in a crazy thing, oh, just calm down, just calm down. Yeah. Like, that's not helpful. <laughs> Well, you got to well, teach me how and why. Yeah, well, teach the how and why, <laughs> but even the how and why of just the body yeah. needs the rest of the story. Absolutely. The, okay. b- the mind and emotion. Yeah. And all that. Absolutely. Okay. But yeah. yes, yeah, so it relaxes the body and it puts you in a state. And again, surface level, it helps people um, able to work at the surface level of what's getting in their way then. Mm-hmm. But my thing is, I'm going to help people to understand what it means to have these skills, this knowledge, this understanding, and be able to apply it no matter what happens down the road. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be uh, circumstance-specific. Indeed, it's not supposed to be at all right. specific to circumstance. So those universal uh, principles you, that we're talking about. Right. Yeah. Right. And so then no matter what comes, we're able to use. And so we no longer are, sorry, therapists, I'm looking to work us right out of the job. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Don't worry, there's always going to be more people needing. <laughs> Absolutely. But for the person in front of me, I'm looking to work myself right out of a job. Well, I think every therapist that, I mean, that's why you, that's why you would get into a mm-hmm. field is because you want to help people ultimately not just cope, but recover. That's mine. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I, I would hope that anyone in the medical community, like, I should hope that that's the goal. And if it's not, that, that's probably one of the major problems in our society. But that's, that's, that's a, a whole number. We won't go story. down that rabbit trail right. today. So let's go back to the body. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. No, um, you're good. I digress. So um, when we're putting, and we know, all right, for, for skeptics, all right, not only do we know it through neuroimaging now, but if you look at a newborn baby breathing, mm-hmm. They breathe from their belly. Mm-hmm. They're not breathing from the lungs. It's like who God created us to be yes, all the way back to the precisely. beginning. Precisely. And yeah. that was one of my revelations, if you will, when God was like, hey, look. I was <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And the first all time right. I heard this stuff, it was just like mind blown because <laughs> I, you know, I, you don't realize that you're doing it. But it comes to the body. And then the other thing you always told me about was the tunnel and vision. That's, that's and go, that's and we the get next lo- component. We get locked in. And it's like mm-hmm. that stress component. And that's a place that I enjoy being. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I used to, when I used to chew, it was yes. like, I'd put in a chew, 
drink a couple cups of coffee mm-hmm. and then I could get like zoned in and just like hammer out some work. <laughs> but that is, uh, that's not, that can be good for a momentary burst of energy, momentary. but it's not good to live there. No, it's no place to live. And when we live there too long, and most of us do, yeah. okay, those of us who come home exhausted from work and not available to the people we really love, that's not right. That's backward, right? Well, that's why it terrifies <laughs> me when I see people that are so addicted to caffeine and sugar mm-hmm. that they're walking around 12 hours a day with a monster energy mm-hmm. drink. And I think, what are we doing to ourselves? Right. And that's what we're doing to ourselves. Yeah. Right. That's what we're doing to ourselves. And so um, when we look at the other thing that you mentioned, um, I call it widening the vision. And all of these things are things that I encourage people to name for themselves with themselves. So it's their own beast that they get to dismantle. All right. But I call it widening the vision because what it means is that in that um, reptilian putting of the eyes (laughs) that happens in moments of anxiety, fear, anger, Okay, all of those, literally seeing red, yep. that's because the blood is surging through behind this this area, and it is designed to either zero in on the thing that I need to kill or find the quickest means of egress. Yep. All right, so when we widen the vision, which we can do by bringing our fingers out, um, it opens up the area of our minds and our bodies in a way that says, oh, I'm not in danger. Yeah. I'm all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm all right. And so then to, I don't I don't want to go, I mean, maybe we could in a future one go into yeah. the specifics of each one. Right. Um, I don't think we're going to have fully time to do that today. No. <laughs> but just to give them the overview, when you can do that, then all of a sudden you can, now I can sit back and relax. I can analyze the my mindset, yes. analyze my emotion. Right. And I can get to the other areas, so right. to speak. Right, right. Is that's, that? That's very much so because our body, we have to teach our body to be calm enough to tolerate the thought and emotion because social and emotional learning have shaped our brains in a neurocircuitry in a way that it goes from beginning to conclusion that fast, making it feel automatic. Yeah. The and only it, part that's automatic is the bodily response. Yeah. The emotion and, and uh, thought are not. And okay? I don't want to take away from the other stuff because mm-hmm. the other stuff is so powerful. But from the, like, just to give everyone listening an example, the first time we talked, and I, I went to one of Joanne's counseling groups just, just to observe. They were in our church, and I yeah. thought, you know, I want to go and see. I, I, I kind of even just wanted to make sure, like, is this something that should be in right. the church? Oh, of course. You know, just checking you As out well and making you sure. Due diligence. And so we went, and um, I started. we started talking, and um, it came around to me, and uh, Andrew, how are you today? And I, my standard response oh, I'm fine I'm doing well yeah. and then you pointed out to me that I was constantly I think I had a pen or something mm-hmm. constantly fidgeting the pen clicking mm-hmm. it all the time mm-hmm. biting my fingernails all these different things and you were like y- you don't look fine mm-hmm. like you're not in this state of rest and relaxation and it was kind of this this light bulb went off that you know I'm probably I'm not fine mm-hmm. and then that opened up as soon as I could kind of let my guard down in that way yeah. And it opened up this whole different world that I could now begin to analyze my mind and analyze my emotions. And it has helped me so much. And so maybe we go into that deeper a different time. Yeah. But um, it was just like these these revelations that seem so small and seem so obvious end up being the things that can really transform your entire life. Yes. Or knock it to its knees. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, get rid of those things forever. Yeah. yeah. And, uh-huh. so, and, and, and that's the thing that's an important part to emphasize is that um, 
we don't know what these things are initially mm -hmm. because our architecture of our brain has five more regions to recognize, um, not five more, five, to recognize threat and danger than reward. Oh, wow. Okay. So if the thing, and that makes sense because the thing, when God created us, the thing that was not supposed to be dominant needed a larger audience, if you would, when it does need to come onto the scene. Sure. Right? Yeah. So, but when it's become dominant, which I know to be true, that Satan has hijacked that function, mm -hmm. all right, because he is the great deceptor and he is the spirit of fear. He says, let me get a hold of this thing. Right. If I can get a hold of this thing, I can make them feel like they need all this otherworldly stuff to fill the God-shaped hole, which is who and how and what we are when we're connected to God and who we're created to be. That's awesome. Okay. That's awesome. Oh, man. I, see, I still want to go deeper into that. Um, hmm. I think I will. So uh, I just wanted I just wanted to touch on one other thing because sure. um, I had mentioned this in a sermon that I did, and it was based off of off of what you said. And I used the example because I think everyone in Western Pennsylvania can relate to this of a quarterback. Mm. And so when a quarterback is uh, uh, when you're a bad quarterback, okay, or a rookie quarterback, yeah. you always have that situation where. They, they get tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. And so a rookie quarterback sees the linebackers coming, that fight or flight response takes over and they're not able to analyze the mm -hmm. field and get the ball to where it needs to go. And they get sacked. <laughs> yeah, and they get sacked or they make a stupid mistake right, and they lose play. the game. Yeah. Right, right. And so, and then a, a veteran quarterback, you have a, a Ben Roethlisberger or someone mm -hmm. like that that's used to those stress responses mm -hmm. coming. They can see it coming. Mm -hmm. They still have the wide vision. They can be looking down the field. It doesn't paralyze them and they can make a good decision. Correct. And so those things are just so practical that if we can realize that and realize that in a sense, we're all quarterbacks. Right. We're all, we're of, all our lives. of our own lives. And so how we respond to that stress situation is going to then affect our decision making, mm -hmm. which will then affect our stress situation. Too. Correct. <laughs> we can get off that crazy cycle and yes. get onto a, a, the path that God wants us to be on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. So, okay. Sorry, I just wanted to no, say that. No, that, that's precisely it. That's a beautiful analogy. Yeah. So, one I'm going to steal, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, your goal in counseling then is um, just, just, I mean, I know we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but what's your ultimate goal? Like, someone comes to see you, what's your, what's your hope and your dream for them? Oh, it's going to sound so corny, but it's true that they're able to manifest the hope and the dream for themselves. Yeah. And, and let's not forget that God gives us those visions, those hopes and dreams and puts them on our heart so that we have a place and a means to recognize where it is we're supposed to be moving. Yeah. And then he provides us with the abilities to do that. However, we have to say yes. Mm -hmm. And that's where I go back to with the body. We have to take ourselves out of the spirit of fear so that we can then walk into the power of love and self-control that he has for us. Mm -hmm. But as long as we remain in the spirit of fear, we can't hear, know, or understand what it is that he has for us and he's showing us. Yeah. Okay, when we're in a calm state, then we can start seeing what's going on with the mind, which the Bible addresses every single one of these areas. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, see, we need to go through that in more detail another day because that's um, that's so powerful. And if you're listening to this, if, if that's something that you want to hear, um, I'm assuming that you do. And 
I, I probably don't even care whether you want to hear it or right. not because it just needs to be done. <laughs> yeah. But um, if you if you have any other questions about specifically how those all things are tied together, please put them in the comments and we'll use them for a future podcast down the road. Um, but I do want to get into a couple nuts and bolts things because we had some people make sure. comments on the live stream last okay. Sunday. Um, I do a live stream every Sunday night. And so people made some comments because I told them I was hoping to interview you in the coming oh, week. Okay, I wondered how they... <laughs> yes, that's how this got here. Okay. <laughs> so um, Kevin, uh, who's a friend of mine, he said, um, I always get depression where I am not sad, I am just numb. And so many days of the month, I feel absolutely nothing. And I think, you know, a lot of times we, we think of depression and we just think of sadness. We think mm-hmm. of, of just being down. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's... You know, his experience is not that. My experience was not that. Mm-hmm. And so can you explain just a little bit, like, is that normal, what he's feeling? Is that is that how depression is actually, or, or what, what is depression? <laughs> well, again, it, it's it's person-specific, okay. all right? Um, yes, there are elements of it in the general sense, but how a person experiences it is very um, personal unto themselves, which, again, is why I help them discover what it is that's happening. Yeah, yeah. But the not feeling anything, the numb, is the freeze component of when the body can no longer fight the adrenaline surge. Okay. All right, so let's say we have a car and it's in park, but the gas pedal is completely floored. Uh So you have all that go juice, all that go juice, because it, you know, it's gotta do something. It's got all the, but it's in park, so it can't. Yeah. So when we get to the point where we feel helpless and hopeless because in that situation, the car, it says, I've got this go juice, but I'm in park. I can't go so anywhere. I yeah. can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. I'm helpless. I'm stuck. It's hopeless. Yeah. I'm stuck, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So after a certain point, that is no longer tolerable in the body. Mm-hmm. The body cannot say, okay, this is a place that is manageable. Mm-hmm. So you just go numb yeah okay so at that point then that that's kind of what we were talking about earlier right you have the adrenaline junkies kind of coming down off Mm -hmm. of the adrenaline high Mm -hmm. and there's nothing there to replace it Mm -hmm. and so that dopamine and things that are supposed to then balance us out they're not there and so it's just nothingness what does a person do in that situation well again the beginning is getting the body into alignment Uh is breathing to the diaphragm, widening the vision, so that that adrenaline that is surging through, the gas pedal being, okay, and we don't recognize it as such because it's become such a normal state of living. Right. And that's the that's the danger, if you will, of people say, like when you when you would say fine, you yeah. were fine, because right. that's how you always felt. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, I'm normal. Right. I'm, I'm feeling how I feel every other day. Right, right. Which may be good or maybe terrible. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. And so, and so, so for Kevin being able to start bringing that adrenaline down and bringing up the neurochemically good things, if you will, are things that really need to begin happening. And it's, it's not, it's not a overnight because it's taken a long time, but you start engaging in those day to day. I had, I had a group participant yesterday say to me, you know, I can't do those exercises. She said, well, I mean, I'm doing them, but I'm not feeling what they're supposed to do. <laughs> Immediately afterward, she tells me a story about how she handled a situation in a way that was from her executive functioning that she never would have handled like that yeah. before engaging in these practices. So she didn't recognize and know yeah. just what kind of benefit she was she was getting from them. 
but it played out in her functioning. And you're talking about even just the breathing and widening mm-hmm. vision and doing yes. those things. And it was affecting her yes. daily life. She didn't even know yes. it. Yes, yeah. because then her oh, executive yeah. functioning came. And when we discovered it, and that's why, again, why I call this the facilitation of the discovery. When we discovered, she was like, oh, yeah, yeah I did working. that. <laughs> okay, and so now that's the other part. Yeah. The accomplishment component of knowing that we can affect change in our own lives gives us a dopamine hit. Yeah. Well, the dopamine hit is the thing that that's implicated in drugs. Yeah. We don't need that crap. Yeah. We, need, we need real experiential um, success. Yeah, and you start to win, and then that can snowball just the same way that the anxiety and the stress snowball can, can work. So Precisely, right? yeah. and which is why we change the directionality of the emotion. Yeah, and so for Kevin, you know, Kevin, when you get to that place, in my experience, once you're there, you're, you're kind of there. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're, you're, you are mm-hmm. d- depressed, and it's real, and it's, you know. Oh, you don't, it's totally real. You don't, it's totally real. You don't have <laughs> to think that you're abnormal or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it can happen to anybody. But um, it's, the small, it's the small things every day that you can begin to do to, right. to start to right. balance yourself out. And I don't, know how, I don't know how your sleep is, Kevin, but that's an immense component because that's the only time in our existence when the adrenal gland shuts all the way off. Yeah. That's why sleep's so important. And that's why six to eight hours sleep is so important because by the time we, we, have, to, we have to crest six, and so we can get to the place where the neurochemistry that happens when the adrenal gland is off can wash our brains <laughs> yeah. and get rid of that muck and that mire that's built up yeah. in the when we've been out here slogging it out. Yeah. Okay. That's like Romans chapter 12, right? Day by Tell day. Tell me the, about it. <laughs> the, the, the renewing of our minds day by day. Yes. And that's literally what we're supposed to, I mean, yes. the scripture calls us to yeah. that too. And see, that's one of the things that I'm so excited about is that I know full well God has said this, but the I need you and you've been so transformative <laughs> for me in saying, oh yeah, not only the parts that you know are right here, it goes deeper than that. Yeah, it's yeah. right here and here and here and here. Yeah. It tells us how to live. That's why we just play off each other. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's, that's Kevin. Kevin, I hope that helps. And, um, you know, obviously, Kevin, if you if you need to talk to somebody, um, Joanne, I'm sure would be happy to. And I'm of course, I'd be happy to, my friend. Yes. Um, Kelly uh, also put a put a comment on there. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. We'll just mm-hmm. go into a little bit. She's diagnosed with bipolar and anxiety. She says it's terrible. Um, mm-hmm. She sees a therapist and um, her anxiety kicks in where she picks around her fingers and it's terrible. Now, Kelly is actually pregnant, so she hasn't been able to take her medication. Mm-hmm. So your program um is, is designed for that kind of self, self-discovery, self um, being able to cope and get through yourself. So what would you say to someone like Kelly who's in a situation where I need medication to kind of be level, mm-hmm. but I'm not able to take my medication right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, does what you do help someone like her? Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> and the short answer, yes. Um, let me be clear. There's a role for medication in the sense that it can get us level enough to start learning these things. Sure. Because if we can't get level enough to start learning these things, then what's the point? Right. right? right. Um, but my um, mission, if you will, is to help people to get to a place where they no longer need the medication. And I've seen that happen. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, very cool stuff. See, that that's the most exciting part of this for me. Because mm-hmm. when I was talking about the campfire earlier, yes. 10 out of yeah. 11, you yeah. know, they're, 
there's just there's just no way that it should be that. No, no way. You go back That's... a couple hundred years ago, this wasn't even available. Right. And that was a situation that wasn't great either right. because people that really needed help couldn't get it. Yeah. But now we've swung the pendulum way too far to the other side. Way too far to the other side. Yeah. Right. But so for for Kelly, again, being able to calm the body because that picking around the fingers mm-hmm. is trauma discharge. And again, it doesn't have to be some horrific horrific uh happening what it has to do is trying to get rid of that adrenaline which is where the anxiety comes from and then the chemical imbalance that characterizes bipolar right Mm -hmm. because sometimes it's available sometimes it's not sometimes it's available so uh, my guess is that it's less available to her than what typically bipolar would be because the anxiety is also diagnosed sure so that says it's present um and More so. Multiple factors there, right, too, because yes. you're you're preparing for a baby, which mm-hmm. is first baby, which mm-hmm. is very anxious. Oh, first baby. There's oh, my, financial yes. concerns that come okay. along with that. There's all okay. kinds of different things that can come into play and yeah. increase your anxiety. Yes. Then at the same time, you're not able to get your medication. Yeah. So it's maybe even more important to be able to slow down. I was just going to say. Stop, relax, yeah. be able to analyze the emotion in the mind, and then kind of that self-discovery is even more important in that situation. Yeah. Um, now, that's it in a nutshell, Kelly. That does not... That that makes it sound simple. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and it is simple in the sense that these components go together um, very easily, if you will. But understanding and knowing and working with what to actually do is not easy in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, simple okay. but not easy. Right, yeah. simple but not easy. So, mm. so Kelly, making sure that you're widening your vision and breathing to your diaphragm, and I'd be happy to really show that to you and help you to understand more what that means. Um is going to help you to not have to pick those fingers and when and this is a very very important component when your body is in that state knowing that the part of your mind that's available to you that can process organize and prioritize has come online it opens up solutions and possibilities that you were never ever able to conceive of when you were under the fight or flight because that part of the mind is only looking at what is wrong this allows you to look at what is right and be able to step into it for solution wow so good so, Kelly, if you want to talk about that in more detail, once again, um, please uh, please put a comment um, or you can get in touch with Joanne. I'll make sure to have her information in the description of this podcast. And so uh, if you need to get in touch with her at all, um, I'm sure she'd be happy to happy go a little to. deeper on that. Yes. Um, so I want to transition now away from because this is about Catanning, right? Yes. <laughs> and so I do want to talk a little bit about that. I know we've been going for quite a while. And so if you're still with us, you know, Lord bless you. I was just going to say, do you just want me to say goodbye now? No, no. I, I do want to talk about these at least head on them a little bit because i think you have some interesting insights about katanning and and just knowing your story too about uh your feeling about katanning when you first came here um so when you came to katanning i know you didn't have the best outlook on the city Um, can you tell me a little bit about what that initial outlook was about katanning um what changed and how you feel about the city now all right um i'll try to nutshell it again it's multi-layered because i first came when I was 15 years old, because I was court ordered to Ark Manor, okay. it was the only um, drug rehab in the area. I had been a ward of my brother living in Maryland, and I had gotten into some trouble that involved drinking and all that kind of stuff. So I had to come back to Pennsylvania, and I was living in Indiana, Pennsylvania at the time because my not living my point of residence was Indiana, Pennsylvania because my mom was. Wor- 
teaching at IUP. Okay. And so, but like I said, I was living in Maryland as a ward of my brother because I was so out of control. And yeah. he was a Marine. And he's actually the same person who ended up murdering his wife. So that PTSD and all of those components, yeah, right, yeah. Um, come into play. Now, having said that, um, so I essentially was on my own. That, that was my point that I was trying to get to. Yeah, I was yeah. 15 on my own. <laughs> um, I got court ordered to um, Ark Manor. So that was the first um, inkling of the place. Yeah. All right. Met my oldest daughter's father, who later on we had her. Um, it was about three years later. Um, in the meantime, I... Um, ended up going other places and doing other things because let's not forget I was a city girl, right? Yeah. So Indiana PA was not happening for me either. Yeah. Right? Tanning isn't quite the uh, Harlem. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although, let's fast forward. Yeah. In 2000, when I came back to live here, it was because um, my ex-husband and I were divorcing and I didn't feel like it was fair to keep my children in Philly where I was working. I was working in inner city Philly mm -hmm. um, and I had my kids there. While we still had some semblance of a marriage and we were coming back and forth, that to me was okay. But when I ultimately decided I needed to divorce, I thought, I can't take these kids from their father. Yeah. That's just not fair. That's not okay. okay. So coming to Catanning again said hmm and this should have been my first clue right hey i can do all the same work i do in inner city philly right here in katanning yeah, the same same proliferation of an incredible amount unfortunately of domestic violence of drug abuse of kids just not having any sense of of um structure and means to grow and live and feel safe yeah absolutely okay? so at, that's ultimately actually when I moved out of the classroom and started working in Haven yeah. as an education coordinator. Um, that's how I found that job. So what was your, like? What was your first reaction when you came to Catanning the first time? What What was that? It was well, the very very first time is not podcast language. Really. <laughs> <laughs> well, give me the uh, give me the Cleaver, Beaver Cleaver version here. Um. <laughs> um. There's nothing here. Yeah. There's nothing here. Yeah. There's, there's nothing for you here. No, nothing for anybody no, nothing here. Nothing for any, nothing. Oh, lost, lost time. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Which is, which again is no wonder why everybody has like this teeming um, anger. There's a real sense of anger here mm -hmm. that I've only ever seen in yeah. the inner city also. Okay. Okay. And so what do you, how do you feel about the city now? How's that well, changed? Well, <laughs> It has changed, yes, but more so, I've changed. Amen. And I've changed in a way that allows me to see the good. Yeah. I'm no longer under the sympathetic nervous response. That is the fight or flight that has those five architectural structures that only see the negative. Yeah. I now can say, oh, because I'm in a relaxed state that allows the part of my mind that processes, dreams, envisions, to now see the things that support that. Right. And so, I mean, as you know, I'm kind of like obsessed about changing the mindset mm -hmm. and the culture of our city. Yes. And that's why I think what you're doing is so important is because when when people, this is all tied together. Mm -hmm. You know, each individual's mental health is tied right. to your outlook on life. Yes. And so when you begin to conquer kind of the mental health, when you begin to get back to who God created us all to be individually, mm -hmm. then as a community, we begin to get back as a community who we were created to be by God. Right. Right. And so it's just, um, it's been interesting 
because I think you were already starting to make that turn before I ever met you. And then, but it's been interesting to see you make that turn even more. And it's kind of, it's changed so much in the last two years. It's changed. Well, you know, I met you right before um, the final. Okay, if you want a true um, <laughs> bottom, what do you, how do we turn it? Yeah, turn like it rock hitting bottom. rock bottom. Yeah, yeah. When my little sister died in 2015. Okay. When she died, it was like, this has all been for nothing. Wow. Why did I do any of it? Wow. And so? And so I used the principles that God had shown me. It really became something that, okay, if this is true, yeah, it's going to be true now. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's all, can I say bullshit, please? <laughs> um, it's all hooey. BS. Yeah. Hooey. It's all hooey. All right. Um, and so I really had to move into, and it's when it really became a working framework and understanding for me yeah it was principles before now it was practicality wow um that's a great place to uh i mean i just want to put some icing on the cake here because i for those of you that have heard joanne speak and we're only scratching the surface here <laughs> um right yeah yeah uh, you have suicide murder in the family lost three siblings mm -hmm. at this point um, well, then, two. One's in prison. Well, two. One's in prison. And then uh, had this incredible um, story of redemption out of drug use, um, having children at a young age, uh, going through multiple different traumatic situations. <laughs> if, it, if it's been available to go through, mm -hmm. you've been through it. Yes. Yes. And you've come out yes. on the other side and you've said, God's principles still work. Mm-hmm. Life is still worth living. Yes. There is a way out of every mm -hmm. situation, and right. there's, a, there's a way to cope beyond what the world is giving us right, right now. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's the truth and the goodness that is available to us. Um, and let me say this, though. Yeah. It's really important to, if people say, oh, I'm not going to drink the Kool-Aid or whatever, they think it's, um, let's look at how mindfulness has become something that, um, the world talks about as being necessary and good, and it is, but that's based on Buddhism. Mm -hmm. The people who have subscribed to or believe in or use and beneficial aren't running around in whatever the garb is. <laughs> I forget what the Dalai Lama wears, but whatever the garb is saying, I'm a Buddhist, I'm a Buddhist, I'm a Buddhist, right? right. The principles that are scientifically sound of what and how and where God has brought me through remain the same. And in that journey and in that walk is then when we discover that God is indeed in charge. So I say that because nobody has to buy in, if you will, I don't really like the term, but nobody has to buy in to benefit from this understanding. It's the beginning of healing right. and the transforming power. So um, let me just finish on this, and then we'll talk a little bit about how people can get in contact with you. Okay. Like, let's say someone's listening to this. They're in a really bad place. Mm -hmm. Okay, They're going through some stuff. They're depressed. They may have, they have um, attempted suicide or think about it or whatever that might be, or they're, you know, those extremes that we talked about. Mm -hmm. They're at that place. Right. What do you say to them right now? Oh, there's life. Yeah. <laughs> there's life. There's hope. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny to me because... Life, when I say life, mm -hmm. 
that encompasses so much more than existing. Yeah. And what we have available to us out there now just gets us to the point of existence. Yeah. It doesn't do the rest of the story that life. Okay. And I and um, one of the other things that it's important for me to say right now is when my little sister died, I was very tempted to go back to all the things that had always filled the holes before. Right. And God very clearly spoke to me, and I'm not saying auditory, but a yeah, knowing yeah. and a hearing, yep. okay? Remember you said no matter what? Yeah. And I said, I'm not going back because I, because in that interim, I had already discovered so much more life than I'd ever had. Life being joy and happiness and wow. and excited to get up in the morning. Mm. Whoo, amazing, right? Yeah. Um, and he said, no matter what. And so it was in the no matter what. Had I gone back then, the rest of this would not be happening. It's in the no matter what that he shows us what the rest of his power for us specifically, not in general, but us specifically is. So there's more for anyone out there listening. There's more than just coping and surviving and existing. Like there's this whole life that you you have not possibly experienced yet that right. God has for you. Right. And so um so and don't... no drug matches. Absolutely. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> Absolutely. I can I can attest to that also. Um so that's just I mean it's just amazing stuff. I hope that you've been changed and transformed today. Um, Joanne, how can people get in contact with you? Are you taking on new clients? How can I, people get in touch with I you? I am. I'm taking on new clients. Um the best way at this point is um, phone or text. That number is the same. It's 412-999-4141. I'm also um, available to, I I attend Living Water Church. If anybody wants to talk with me there, I'm happy to do that too. Absolutely. And so I will put uh, Joanne's information in the description. So if you want to get in touch with her, uh, please do that. If you have any questions um, about this program or about what Joanne's putting together, um, it's just been such an incredible blessing to me. And so I just appreciate you coming mm-hmm. on to the program here, mm-hmm. uh, talking about it um, on, a, on a very surface level. Mm-hmm. Um, please understand that there's so many more layers and mm-hmm. so much more depth to this that we just can't do within an hour's time frame. Uh, but um, hopefully we'll have you back in the future. Uh, We'll go a little bit deeper into the topic. And as always, if you have any questions, uh, put those in the comments, and then we'll try to address those at a later date. But um, just want to say God bless you, Katanning. Sure appreciate (laughs) you watching and listening. And um, we'll see you in the next one, right? Right, absolutely. Appreciate it, Joanne. Thank you Thank you. I appreciate you.